Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And we're into extra time. No, my whakarongo mai ki extra time. Ko revinda huni at the name. This week, the All Blacks are seeking redemption when they face Italy on Sunday. While the Black Ferns may be finding success, does grassroots continue to struggle? A cricketing star is born in Ajaz Patel, and how chocolate milkshakes have helped a Napier man to a new national record. The All Blacks will be seeking redemption on Sunday morning when they face the Italians after a disappointing 16-9 loss to Ireland last weekend. The historic loss sent the nation into mourning, even questioning the coach Steve Hansen and captain Kieran Reid's ability moving forward leading the helm with the Rugby World Cup just around the corner. Joining me now is sports reporter Joe Porter. Joe how important is this game against Italy this weekend? They can't lose to Italy. That would be a catastrophic end to the season for the All Blacks. Of course, they've never been beaten by the Italians before anywhere in the world. And they're expected to win this weekend despite having made 11 changes to their side and running out what is an All Blacks B team. So it would be a catastrophic end to the season. What they want is a convincing win, but they also want to give some of these young guys and rookies that haven't had a lot of game time, as well as some returning injury uh, top-line players, a bit of a run as well. So they want a convincing win, a, a, a win to help the New Zealand rugby public forget last weekend's loss to Ireland and Dublin. And on that note, all eyes are on Captain Kieran Reid this weekend. He's been under so much pressure since that loss to Ireland. Yeah, he's been under pressure for a large part of the season, really. A lot of sort of pundits or some pundits have been calling for his head to roll, suggesting that his time as captain is gone. Steve Hansen's been quick to back his man, saying that no, Kieran Reid, bar injury or anything catastrophic, will be there leading the side at next year's World Cup. It has been a tough season for Reid. He's had two losses to Ireland, of course, in Dublin last weekend, and to South Africa and Wellington. Both games the All Blacks really probably should have won, had they taken their chances. And some of his decisions as captain, I guess, ultimately led to that loss. So he also made a couple of personal mistakes in either of those two games, which he'll be really kicking himself for. So it has been a tough year individually and collectively for the Reid and the team. But I think you've got to understand that he's had a lot of injury setbacks this year and he had to come back from a big one at the start of the season. He is 33 years old. He's not the player he once was. We all know that he doesn't quite have the engine that he used to have. But he's still the best captain option we have out there and he's still the best number eight we have in the country. And when he's not on that side, he is missed. So I think calling for his head might be a little bit premature, especially when you think about who, he, who you'd replace him with. Both Barrett, Damian McKenzie are starting again. What are your thoughts on that? That's quite interesting. Many people, including myself, thought Richie Moonga would be given a shot at first five. He's sat on the bench mm. most of the season and he's played fairly well coming off of it and you think he probably deserves another crack. I guess they want to continue with this experiment of having Damian McKenzie at fullback and Bowden Barrett at first five. Two playmakers on the field at the same time. It seems to be the way that Steve Hansen thinks they might break down the sort of Irish, South African, English, British and Irish Lions style of flat 
umbrella defence. So I guess they're going to just continue the experiment. Not, you know, it's far from a f- finished product yet, so mm. Hanson's going to give those two players as many games as they can together, I think, before the World Cup and get that combination right. It looks like it's signals the end of Ben Smith's time at fullback for the All Blacks, which is a real shame because he is the best fullback in the world. Joe, looking a little bit forward, coaching contracts are going to finish at the end of the World Cup. Joe Schmidt stepping into All Blacks coaching role after the next World Cup. Do you think that's viable? Oh, certainly. I mean, Schmidt himself has said by the end of next week he should have revealed his future plans, whether or not he's going to commit his long-term future to Ireland or return home to New Zealand. And at this point in time, it's hard to know what he's going to do. He himself said he's still agonising over the decision because he's got family and a life in both parts of the world now. So it's hard to know what he will do. My gut says he will come back to New Zealand. My gut also says that Steve Hansen has decided that he's going to step away after the 2019 World Cup, regardless mm-hmm. of results. Just sort of reading between the lines and some of the body language and words that have come out of his mouth lately. Of course, he's due to make an announcement on his future before Christmas. So what I think might happen is that you see Joe Schmidt announce that he's stepping away from Ireland after next year's World Cup to return to New Zealand with no set plan in mind, quote-unquote. And then not long after that, you'll hear that Hansen is stepping down after the 2019 World Cup, and then we can all speculate who will take over. If that's the case, you, you throw sort of three men into the, into the front runners for that race. Ian Foster, the current All Blacks assistant coach, who of course has been in the setup and we know he's been touted as a future successor. Hansen obviously really likes working with him. Joe Schmidt, fantastic record. He's beaten the All Blacks. He's the people's choice, the people's champion many would like to see, and, he's, and the media would like to see uh, take over. And, of course, Warren Gatland, who's had success with the British and Irish Lions and Wales, although, again, he hasn't necessarily captured the hearts of the New Zealand public. He's a little bit grumpy and has been when he's come back here with a bit of a chip on his shoulder at times. So mm-hmm. and I'd be surprised if the All Blacks announced the coach for after the World Cup for the World Cup is over, unless, of course, Hansen clearly states that he's going to move on. So yeah, I think it is very highly likely that Joe Schmidt will step into that role. How amazing would that be for his career? Right, Wouldn't that yeah. be the dream? Yeah, it would be the dream, a dream come true. I mean, a guy who coached, I think he started coaching Bay of Plenty as an assistant, mm. went to the Blues and was an assistant there. A fairly rapid rise, but without much recognition within New Zealand. Didn't get a head coaching role with a super side or a starring role, was just an assistant. Went over to club over in the Northern Hemisphere in the UK and was again an assistant there. Had some good success and then took on his first head coaching role at Leinster in uh, 2014, I think it was, and led them to instant success. A real fairy tale run, a club that had been bottom of Europe going to the top two European titles and two Irish titles I believe and of course then taking over the Irish side and coaching them to their first ever one over the All Blacks two Six Nations titles and of course well a third Six Nations title this year and a Grand Slam beating all the others so he's certainly got an impeccable record and would be on paper the ideal man to take over mm. and certainly would be the crown in what is already a fairly glittering career for him The Black Ferns' successes on the world stage have shone a light on women's rugby, but at grassroots level, the game is still living in the shadows. Coaches say there's still a long way to go before women in rugby get the recognition they deserve. The Aniwa Huri Hanganui has this story. Dave Jensen coached the top Wellington women's rugby team for three seasons up until last year. He says his players weren't treated like a provincial rugby team should. You know, being shoved out to grounds that weren't really rugby grounds at all. So one of the first couple of trainings we had was on a field past the zoo, which had two working lights. It was a junior soccer ground, so little junior posts, not even full-size field, top women's team in Wellington. And the challenges didn't stop there. Just getting word out, and, you know, the women are playing this week, this is where they're playing, if you guys can come down and watch... And a lot of the people didn't know that. I don't know if they even knew there was a women's team at the club. A few of the older members of the club 
sort of weren't so willing to put forward women's rugby in that regard and it has been a, a battle. The Wellington Rugby Union says it is committed to growing women's rugby in the region, which now has 1,300 registered female players. When asked, its chief executive, Will Garcia-Birch, didn't know how much funding the Wellington women's team receives each year, but he says whatever inequities existed in the past don't exist anymore. There used to be sort of inequity in terms of playing kit or training facilities and things like that. The reality is now we, we even make these ladies sort of work for it by coming to sort of sponsor events. Every single facility that, that is available to the men is available to the ladies as well. Dave Jensen spent about 14 hours a week training the team, playing games and planning, all on a voluntary basis. Coaches of the men's provincial side, the Wellington Lions, are paid. Mr Garcia Birch says that's just the reality of the sport. Should there be any difference between the, the, the men's and women's version of the game? Ultimately, no, there shouldn't be. So why is there if there shouldn't be? There's a little bit of a reflection on sort of society. You know, the reality is men have been playing the game 140-something years, sort of, and I suspect that the, the ladies sort of have, have come into it a lot later than that. Lack of funding is especially an issue for the Hawke's Bay Provincial Women's Team. Temari McGregor, who plays in the team and coaches the under-18 side, says it limits their access to training facilities. We have set times when we can go to the Hawke's Bay gym. They don't have that opportunity just to go when they, they are available to go. It's a little bit restricting. Uh, when we go do go away, I know that we can only take three management, maybe, or maybe four management, and sometimes we have to leave a coach behind. I know it costs a lot of money, but at the same time, there must be money somewhere for us. She says the team gets dumped with whatever playing gear is available and can't request specific sizes or additional team wear. You know, we get, might get given a T-shirt, but if we all get a T-shirt and you might get six smalls and then eight extra larges, you know, it's either really, really, really small or outrageously big. It sounds really, really silly, like, got a T-shirt, but it's like, yeah, but we're representing our province, we're representing our family. She says if women's rugby is to thrive in the future, there must be a level playing field. The Women's Rugby World Cup will be played in New Zealand in 2021. Ko te aniwa, New Zealand's latest cricketing hero, Ajaz Patel, is under no illusion just how tough test cricketers, despite helping the Black Caps to their narrowest ever test win. The 30-year-old test debutant took five-second innings wickets in helping New Zealand to a four-run win over Pakistan in the UAE yesterday. It's been a long road to the top for Patel, who moved from Auckland to Napier to further his first-class career, and he was reflecting on that in the wake of the test victory. Patel arrived in New Zealand from India as an eight-year-old and told sports editor Stephen Hewson he never gave up on his dream. As a cricketer, you spend so much time away from family and home and um, for me, sometimes it's been a little bit difficult because you don't get to spend a lot of the summer at home um, and you miss those you know, those good days where the whole family's out having a barbecue or a, or a beach day or stuff like that. So, But, I mean, to be honest, it, it is rewarding sitting where I am today and, and, and being in a position that I am in today. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful and um, those sacrifices have all been well worth it. It must have been tough, though. You must have had times when you were thinking a test debut wasn't going to happen because at, at 30, um, you, you're mature. Um, so yeah. 
at, at any stage were you going, actually, I've got to flag this? Uh, to be honest, that, that thought hadn't quite crept into my mind just yet. I mean, for me personally, I, I have a lot of self-belief and, and a lot of belief in my own abilities and, and I believe in my work ethic and, and I try and work really hard and, and as hard as I can to make sure I'm the best um, best cricketer I can be. Um, and I always had that self-belief that at some point in my career I want to be playing for New Zealand and it was a dream that you know I wasn't quite ready to um, sideline just yet. Reaction from family and friends? Have you had a chance to talk oh. to family back home? Yeah, yeah, it's been non-stop. Um, when when we when we got the final wicket, my sister happened to take a video of the house, um, and and you know it was a very very um, special and emotional thing for me uh, to witness because um, my family's put in uh, a lot of effort and a lot of sacrifice along with me um, to to get to where I am and um, to see the emotions that they had um, when that that final um, wicket was taken um, that was something special and, and I'm sure they've been thoroughly enjoying it as well Celebrations? I mean how low key or, or exuberant were yeah, they? Pretty, yeah, I mean they, they were pretty big but when we got into the changing room everyone was overly ecstatic as you expect um, you know, to pull off a victory like that but I think everyone is well aware that we've still got two games left in the series as well um, and even though it's a great start, we've still got to make sure we back up for the next two games and and really put in a good performance to make sure we can take the series home. So today we've got a day off, and uh, we travel to Dubai tomorrow and, and start training the following day to get ready for the following um, second match, and you know we'll give it our all again and, and see where we end up there again. Mind you, you have an early start every day, don't you, Aziz, with, uh, with morning prayers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's correct. I'm usually up at about 5.30 in, um, in Dubai um, to get the Fajr prayers in um, every morning and then go back and have a little hour's nap and then start getting ready for the day. Have you been able to get to the mosque in in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, I have. Um, I, I have visited the Sheikh Zayed Mosque um, earlier when I came through with the NZA boys, but... Um, you know, with the day off today, I'm going to make the most of the opportunity and and, and go back there again, and um, and I'm going to take my wife there as well. It'll be her first time seeing the mosque, so uh, yeah, it'll be pretty cool. Ajaz Patel talking to sports editor Stephen Hewson. Chocolate milkshakes have powered 64-year-old Napier man Perry Newburn to a new national record in running the length of the country. He reached Bluff, breaking a record for the 2,100-kilometre journey, which has stood for 43 years and was previously held by Siggy Bauer. Newburn left Cape Ranga in the early hours of November 3rd and arrived in Bluff in 18 days, 8 hours and 42 minutes, beating Bauer's record by just 19 minutes. He tried to break the record last year, but was undone by the weather. He holds a World Masters record for running across the United States in 51 days. The run helped raise funds for Autism Support Group, running on the spectrum, and Newburn told sports editor Stephen Hewson he was never certain he'd beat Bauer's mark. Never. It was always within reach, I think. It's, um, I never let it get too far out of reach, but... Something like that is until uh, you actually cross the line and look at the time. You, that's when you know it's um, you've got it. And what was it when you crossed the finish line? What was your, what were your first thoughts? <laughs> let's let's put uh, almost a blubbering mess. <laughs> but yeah, to 
you hold everything together for to do that for the whole time of the run. And at, at the end, everything's just going to let loose of it, and you've got, just got to let it go. Did you have to run through the night often to keep on schedule? Uh, probably a couple of times we did. Um, we knew we'd have to run through the night um, near the end. It, we'd initially set it for the night before, but with that weather bomb, it was just impossible out there after running running through it all day long. The incredible thing was I had about I, a number of people who came out and spent long periods of time with me in that weather. And the part between Clinton and Matara, the, going up some of those hills and along the top, the, the wind, it was ferocious. There's, um, there's once I did have to get into the van and the car for a wee while, because the wind was just um, almost blowing me over. So, yeah, it, there's parts where it could have yeah, quite dangerous. And what, chocolate milkshakes got you through a fair bit of it, I, I understand? Oh, love those chocolate milkshakes. <laughs> milkshakes. They're, yeah, they're lovely. It's, um, well, I think they are. They give me the, the sense of being full. They, they're nice. They're, they're great. Where, where do you go in your mind when, when you're plodding along? <laughs> you go all over the place. Sometimes you just block everything out and just um, zone out in a sense. But you've got to, you've got to keep your wits around you on the road, of course. But... um. Same old story, sometimes you solve the world's problems and then you redo it the next day because you know how stupid your, your workings out were. But you've got to learn to laugh at yourself too. Um, and that's, to me, is one of the healthiest things out there. So you go all over the place at times. Plans for celebrations tonight? Um, it's relaxed. Uh, I haven't actually slept for two days, so no doubt if I sit down after a shower and I sit down on a couch, I'll probably be out. <laughs> well, you're remarkably out. coherent for, for no sleep in 48 hours. Uh, yeah, it's, um, during the daytime is something I'm pretty good at, but I guarantee you I've done it a couple of times. I go down and sit in the car and bingo. <laughs> and Perry Newburn says he'll take a few days to head back home to Napier, and when he gets there, you guessed it, he intends to go for a run. And that's all we have time for this week. Remember, you can stay up to date with all of our sports stories at radioNZ.co.nz forward slash sport and check us out on Twitter at RNZ Sport. Koravinda Hunia Tene, Hey Kona. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.